so Wednesday, well, actually it was Tuesday night going into Wednesday morning, I got a, uh, I got a message from my, uh, from my friend Todd Jarris. And if you are not familiar with what's going on, I'll ex- this is the reason why I want to explain this to you real quick. So the message started out on Tuesday night, about 9 o'clock in the evening. It says, we are at Children's Mercy. Landon, their four-year-old little boy, has been having severe headaches with vomiting. And this has been happening since Friday, trying to find out something. 9-12, I said, we will get on it. Uh, We'll put it on the prayer chain as soon as possible. And uh, do you want me to come? He said, no, we're just waiting to hear. I'll let you know when we find something out. I said, okay. About, about three hours later, I had, I had a message that said, uh, we are still here. So we're still waiting to hear something out. And then in between that message and a phone call came in, between my, before my reply, a phone call came from the chaplain at Children's Mercy Hospital, which is the first time in all the years of ministry I've ever had this happen to me. The chaplain called and said, the, uh, the Jairus family just found out some discouraging news about their little boy. Would you be able to come? They're requesting that you would come. And I said, absolutely. I'll be there as soon as, soon as I can possibly get there. So I, I get dressed. I take off. I'm headed down to the hospital. And uh, about 72nd Street, I get a phone call from Todd's uh, mother-in-law, so Megan, Todd's wife's mom. I said, have you already left? I said, yeah, I'm already on my way, but I'll come back and get you if you need me to. She said, that'd be awesome. Turn around, went back, picked her up, and we get down to the hospital to, um, to sit with, to cry with, to pray with this family who's been given a a devastating diagnosis. Their four-year-old little boy's been diagnosed with leukemia. And at that particular point, they don't know all the specifics. You just know that your child has cancer. And what do you think? What do you do? What do you say? And uh, as a dad, you know, you just feel helpless as your child is this sick. And uh, it was a hard night. It was a long night. It was one of those nights where I'm grateful to be a pastor it's a challenge and a struggle at that particular point to be a pastor, but I was grateful that I could at least be there with the family, though I didn't really have words that were adequate at that particular point. And so I sat with Todd, uh, I hugged Megan, I rubbed my fingers through Landon's hair, and we just prayed. And that's what we've been doing since. And as so you see these, these uh, orange ribbons, they are ribbons to remind us to, to, to pray for Landon. The, the good news through all of this, there is some good news, is that the type of leukemia that he has is treatable. It's going to be a long process. They've already weathered some pretty, pretty difficult storms. It's going to continue on. So we're going to need to continue to, to lift him up in prayer. So you probably have seen videos online to, to, um, to Landon. And so this morning, I want you to be a part of a video for Landon. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. When I point to you, I just want you to cheer, all right, as loud as you can possibly cheer, okay, for La- we're going to cheer for Landon. So hold on, I'm going to introduce this. All right, hey, good morning, Landon. This is Pastor Brady. First of all, we miss you so much here at church. I have, I'd love to see you running through the hallways. One of these days, it's going to happen, but I have some people here that are going to say something exciting. They're going to cheer for you, so hold on just a minute. Get you get turned around. Go. Boom. Awesome. Awesome. Good job. Now if I can figure out how to get that on Facebook, I'll be well. <laughs> Technical, technologically challenged. So I have some teenage, teenagers in my house. They'll help me. So, the, um, so this idea... Idea all week long after that particular uh, that particular moment in time being there with the family is just thinking about uh, for one just prayer and prayer of healing and why do why do we see some people who who when we pray they get healed immediately or it takes a long time or sometimes people don't get healed maybe they get ultimately healed and they go on to be with Jesus I mean just this week 
last night, actually, they had a uh, memorial service for a lady who I got a chance to pray with a few weeks ago, who she didn't beat her battle with cancer, and she went on to be with Jesus. And so, I mean, she had ultimate healing, right? I mean, ultimately, she got the healing that is better than anything we've ever experienced this side of heaven. But at the same time, the prayers that they prayed didn't get answered. And so how, how is that? Why is that? Why do some get answered and some don't? And so Brady Rogers and I, we've, we've been talk, kind of talking back and forth the last few weeks and just especially the last few days. And uh, he really believes that the Lord's put something on his heart to, uh, to address this issue. And uh, so we're gonna, you're going to get two Bradys for the price of one today, all right? Two Bradys for the price of one. And uh, hopefully you can handle all that. I know it's a lot of Brady all at once, but, but he's going to share here in just a little bit. But I wanted to, wanted to let you know, for me personally, I was, I was praying and I, was, I, I got this, this thought in my mind of, okay, so last week we celebrated the death and resurrection of Jesus. You know, Jesus then stayed, stayed on the earth. Several days later, or after that, he, he preached and he taught and he healed. And then he went and he ascended into heaven to be with the Father. And then, and then someday Jesus is going to come back. And we're going to experience, this, this world is going to experience a healing like you've never seen before. So in the process of waiting for that to happen, the disciples then began to gather together. They pray. The church was born. And as a result of that, uh, they began to do ministry wherever they went. And so I, I remember this story in Acts chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, Acts chapter 3. And in this story, Peter and John are going up to, they're going to church. And they're going, they're going to pray. And while they were on their way to pray, they encountered a man, the Bible says, was lame from birth. And he was being carried to this, to this place where they would lay him down outside the temple, or outside this gate called the Beautiful Gate, and they would set him there every day to beg. Now, I've seen this literally happen in the flesh at Venice Beach in California. Anybody else ever been to Venice Beach? You think there's some weird people at Walmart. You should go to Venice Beach. There's some weird... Literally, it's funny, yesterday I was walking out of Target and I heard this guy and this girl say, honey, we're not, we're not uh, what, what do you say? It's like, like we got to go to Walmart. There's our type of people there. I'm like, what do you mean by that anyway? But anyway, side note. So I, I saw this man at Venice Beach. They would just set him down. He didn't have any arms or legs and he would dance around. They'd put on music and he'd dance around to make money. And so this, I think about this every time I think about this story. They'd set this guy outside this place called Be- the Beautiful Gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So he asked them for money. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did did John, and he said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat outside the gate called Beautiful. And he was the one that was asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Filled with wonder and amazement. And while he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw, saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you have delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Remember last week we talked about Barabbas being released. So Peter is just, Peter is just reminding them of the story. And isn't it amazing? We have been reminding people of this story for centuries since then. Because there's still power in this story. It says, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And, his, and in his name, by faith in his name, 
has made this man strong to whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as you did, as did also your rulers. And I love where Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And that is ignorance when you just don't know what you're doing. And Jesus asked for them to be forgiven. He says, repent then. And uh, I'm sorry, I'll go back here. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that is, Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you. He may send Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who have came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. I love this, this thought, and I'll finish my time up here. I love this thought that through first these people that he was speaking to, God wanted to bless all people. And that blessing started there, and it has come to you and me. And so this morning, I want to give you something. I want to give you something that could hopefully help you then pass on the blessing to others, okay? So I have my volunteers down here. And uh, all the adults, all the adults, because we're, just because we'll have we some in your house. Some of you maybe already have one of these. You can give them away. But we're going to pass out this magnet that has the word bless. And I want you to think about this idea of the blessing first came to those people that were hearing this message then. And the blessing is then passed on to you and I, and then we're going to pass the blessing on because there are other people that we know that need the healing that comes in the name of Jesus. And the best healing and the most thorough and the most important healing of all is the healing of our hearts and the healing of our souls. I mean, our physical healing is, is powerful. And yes, we, there's some of us here today that need that, but we need our, our souls healed, <laughs> Because those are the things that will last forever. Our bodies aren't going to last forever. I mean, even this man that was healed in this story died eventually, right? But our souls need the blessing and need to be healed. So make sure everyone gets one of those. And I'm going to finish with a quote from Landon himself, this little precious little boy. Some of you may have saw this on social media. This is what Landon said, and I want you to think about this just, just for life. Landon said, this is hard, but we aren't, we aren't going to live here forever. I mean, think about that. Life is hard, but ladies and gentlemen, we aren't going to live here forever. And that's good news. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, Pastor Brady's going to come share that with you. Hello. Good morning. First, I want to tell you it's an honor to be here with you today and to preach the Word of God. This topic is a difficult topic because a lot of people have different ideas about healing and prayer and faith. They have different ideas about the Lord, about who He is. I've heard many times as I share the gospel with people, well, my God wouldn't do this or my God wouldn't do that. It's a tough, it's a tough topic because there's probably no one in this room who hasn't been touched personally by suffering and pain and sickness, loss of loved ones, untimely death. So it's a challenging topic. I probably wouldn't be up here today preaching on this subject, which I am calling the power of faith that is put into action. I don't think I would be here today preaching on this topic if it weren't for the following two passages of Scripture. The first one is Romans 10, 9-17. And the second one is John 14, 12 through 17. Both of these passages of Scripture for me, especially since probably August of 2001, well, the, the first one, Romans 10, 
since uh, 1986 when I was in, on a mission trip in Guatemala. But the second passage has really impacted my heart in such a manner that I would call it one of my life scriptures. And it has really determined the course of my life in, in a great way, again, since about August of 2001. So Romans 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart one believes and is justified, and the, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I'm going to skip down. 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then it says in 14, How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in whom they have never heard? So how can they believe in someone who they've never heard of? How can they hear without someone preaching? So if we don't preach the word, if we don't preach the gospel, if we don't preach the truth of Jesus, how can others hear? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? I hope that today the words from the Lord and the words he's put in my mouth might help you to feel better empowered to be sent out, to have the power of faith and to be able to put that faith into action. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, the Bible says. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of God. So our faith increases when we hear the Word of God. I will share a lot of scripture with you today. I'm going to do my best to deliver this teaching that God's put on my heart for about three or four months in the next 30 minutes. But in its entirety, I think it's about a three-hour teaching. But I'm going to do my best to give you an overview so as not to burn the roast. So the second scripture, John 14 which I consider, again, sort of maybe my life scripture or life-changing scripture, life-directing scripture for me, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. Greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. So I've chosen to believe what that scripture says in such a way that it, it determines my days. It determines how I treat most days. I won't say every day, but how I treat most days because... I truly believe that Christ dwells in me. And if you have confessed Jesus with your mouth and believe that he is Lord, he also dwells in you. And so you may be empowered then to do all these wonderful acts and adventures in faith and to see the presence and the hand of the Lord move in such a way if you simply believe. I want to... That was my introduction. I want to start out with Mark chapter 4. Jesus had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So they were going to cross over to the other side of the water. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. So Christ was in the boat with his disciples. Verse 37 says, a great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Have you ever been out in the ocean in a small boat, so far that you could not see the shore? Has anybody ever done that? Show me your hands. I've done that a couple times down in Mexico once many, many years ago. It's very intimidating, frankly, to be out in a 14-foot boat out in the middle of the ocean and you're so far away you can't see the shore, let alone if the waves are breaking in such a way that the water then begins to come into the boat and you are fearing that the boat is going to tip over. I'm sure they probably didn't have life jackets. I'm quite sure they didn't have the Coast Guard to come rescue them. And so that would be really, really a traumatic experience, don't you think? So this great, great wind raises up, the boat's filling. Jesus was in the stern, it says, asleep on a cushion. So here's the Lord just kind of over here sleeping. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you think perhaps that in the last few days Todd or Megan have said, Teacher, don't you care that Landon may be perishing? When I was 18 and my brother was 19 and he had a car accident and was in a coma for 31 days 
And that first night, the doctors told me he probably won't make it through the night. And I literally spent the entire night walking up and down the hallways, crying out to the Lord, praying for my brother, and in a sense saying, Lord, don't you care that he's perishing? It says in Psalm 139 that the Lord knows your thoughts from afar. The Lord knows your words before they come out of your mouth. The Lord knows what's going on when you get up in the morning, and he knows what's going on when you go to bed at night. It also says that he even knew you when you were in your mother's womb. So yes, he knows what's going on with Landon. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what happened when my mom suffered with brain cancer for six months and died at 58 years old. He knew it. He awoke, and he rebuked the wind. And he said, peace, be still. And I would say that to you today. If there is a storm brewing in your life, of whatever kind, whether it's your health, or your finances, or your relationships, or loved ones around you, I think what the Lord would say to you is, peace, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? You see, fear and doubt, I believe, are the opposite of faith. And many times they are the enemy of faith. Jesus says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. That's not always easy, is it? In Mark chapter 5, there was a woman who was sick for 12 years. She had suffered under many physicians, so the doctors couldn't help her. It said her condition grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus. Have you had the opportunity to report to others about Jesus? It's really fun. Have you yourself heard the reports about Jesus? Is there someone in here today who perhaps hasn't heard the reports about Jesus or hasn't heard them in such a manner that you don't have enough faith to believe? I hope after today you'll have more faith because I want to get a chance, if I have time, to share lots of reports about Jesus. This woman had so much faith, and all, it, all she had was reports about him. I don't think she'd met our Lord yet. If I even touch his garments, I will be made well, she said. That's pretty awesome faith. If I just walk up and touch this guy's clothes, I'm going to get better. Immediately, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceived in himself that power had gone out from him. If you have to have the kind of faith to see these things happen, you have to believe that Jesus has authority on heaven and earth. You have to believe that he's powerful. You have to believe that he's the Son of God. In fact, you have to believe that he is God himself because it says in John chapter 1 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was born a man, but if you study your scriptures, you will realize he always existed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Don't be confused. I know people of the faith, or they think they're of the faith, who, upon question, they don't really realize that Jesus is Lord. There are many other religions around the world, many in this town, that proclaim Jesus is wise, Jesus was powerful, Jesus was a prophet, but they don't understand nor recognize that Jesus is, in fact, the Lord. And that is critical if Number one, you're going to be saved. And number two, if you're going to see faith in action. Jesus said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So there is a connection. Faith is a vehicle to receive the power of the Lord. Do you get that? I want to talk about King Hezekiah. Another example. This is in 2 Kings 20. Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And the great prophet Isaiah came to him and said, Set your house in order, for you will die. You will not recover. Prophets speak what the Lord tells them. So that message came from who? The Lord. Set your house in order. You're going to die. Love this passage of Scripture. I love this passage of Scripture because it shows us the power of prayer, the power of a righteous life, the power of crying out to the Lord, and the fact that sometimes the Lord will change his mind. Did I say that? Is that a sacrilege? It says it right here. Listen. You shall die. You shall not recover. 
Hezekiah turned, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I've walked before you in faithfulness with a whole heart and I've done what is good in your sight. And it says, Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before I get to the good part, let's do a little background on Hezekiah real quickly. If you go, this is 2 Kings chapter 20. But if you go back to chapter 18, here's a few things it says about Hezekiah. It says he was 25 years old when he became king. It says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. According to, by the way, what all that David, his father, had done. So in other words, yes, it's critical, fathers, that you set a good example so that your children can follow and do according to what you have done. It says he trusted in the Lord so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him or before him. He trusted the Lord many more than any king before him or any king after him. I would say that's a pretty high level of faith, don't you? Do you think just maybe that that level of faith helped him to get healed? I do. It also says he felt held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from him, but kept his commandments. Do you think perhaps obedience and holding fast to the Lord and keeping his commandments is another condition or another thing that is important or another principle? I don't want to use the word condition because God's love is unconditional and his mercy is unconditional. And I've seen him heal tons of people that didn't deserve it. I've even seen him heal me when I didn't deserve it. I've seen him rescue me when I didn't deserve it. Many times. That would be another part of this teaching, but I have a whole page of things that the Lord has rescued me from or healed me from over the last 45 years. There's like 30 things on the list. It's crazy. Earthquakes and sickness and violence and a couple thousand pounds falling on my lower back. Just all kinds of stuff. The Lord was with him wherever he went out and he prospered, it says about Hezekiah. So he's a man who trusted the Lord. He's a man who followed the Lord. He's a man who obeyed the Lord. And he's a man who prospered. And eventually, the Lord chose, you'll see two chapters later then. Now let's get to the good part. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you will go up out of the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. The Lord got real specific. He said, I'm not only going to heal you, but I'm going to give you another 15 years. Isn't that cool? Isn't that powerful? Doesn't that move you to have faith? Doesn't that move you to want to walk with the Lord and obey His commands so that all would go well with you, like it says in Proverbs chapter 3? Do you know what it says in Proverbs 3? That the Lord will add to the years of your life if you walk in His ways. Walk in the ways of the Lord, and you will be blessed, and you will prosper. And in the end, you will inherit the kingdom of God. I want to go to Mark chapter 2 now. Jesus healed a, 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 someone who was paralyzed in this chapter. He returned to Capernaum after some days it reported that he was home. Many were gathered there so that there was no more room. There was no more room. Not even at the door. He was preaching the word to them and they came bringing him a, a paralytic carried by four men. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him and when they made an opening, they let down the bed on which he lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, What does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit, and thus questioned him in themselves, said, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and take your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately and picked up his bed and went before them all, so that all were amazed and it glorified God. They all said, we've never seen anything like this. There's a few interesting things you can learn about prayer and miracles in that passage of Scripture. Kind of reminds me of a few months ago, when a friend of mine and I went to the hospital here in Kansas City to pray for a woman who was 52, had meningitis, and she was on her deathbed. Her husband and family weren't believers. In fact, when we first got there, they kind of took off. They didn't really want to let us go back and pray for her. We got a lot of resistance. Uh, finally, he said, okay, I'll let you go back. We started to go back, but the doctors were in there. 
We had to go downstairs. We came back. Long story short, it took us three hours before we could actually go into her room and lay hands on her and anoint her with oil, as the Bible says, and pray that she would be healed. It took us three hours. The reason it reminds me of this story is because it was challenging. These guys wanted to get this paralyzed friend to the Lord to be healed, but there were so many people, they actually had to climb up on the roof, remove part of the roof, and lower him down. That's kind of a big deal. I mean, they went through effort, is my point. They persevered, they were determined to see their friend touched by the Lord. How determined are you today to see miracles happen? How determined are you to see your faith put into action in such a way that people are re- healed? Or perhaps do you, pray one, do you pray one time, you see no result, and you walk away defeated? I almost did that day, believe it or not. Finally, I was a little impatient. It's like, you know what? I said this to my amigo. I said, Dwayne, maybe we should just pray through the glass. Well, good old Dwayne, quiet, humble man that he is. Oh, Brady, you know what it says about the laying on of hands? Don't you think we should wait around? I said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so we waited like another hour, and then we finally got to go in there and lay hands on her. A week later, I had sent a text to her sister. There had been no change. We prayed for her again. And the very next day, and, and when I talked to her, she said, we're actually having to look into long-term care. She's not responding. There's no activity going on in her brain. Uh, we're trying to make some determinations. So we prayed for her again. The next day, she rose up in her bed. She was squeezing people's hands, nodding yes and no. And the day after that, she was talking and she was eating. Sometimes God heals immediately. Sometimes we have to persevere in our faith and continue to pray and pray and pray and lower our friend through that thatched roof until we see results or weep bitterly like Hezekiah did. When was the last time you fell on the floor and you had such compassion for someone who was sick that you were weeping as you cried out to the Lord to rescue them? That happened to me when I was in Mexico. When I was 21, I was, had an internship, was asked to drive a man. Most of you probably heard this story. I'm going to give you the short version. But long story short, I, I'm 21, and I run over this 12-year-old boy named Miguel. I didn't run over him. He came into my wind. I, I hit him. He came into my windshield flew over three lanes of traffic and laid in the ditch and wasn't moving. I couldn't get any pulse, couldn't feel any air coming out of his nose. And so I just fell to my knees and I cried out to God and said, Lord, please save him. And not five minutes later, not ten minutes later, not two minutes later, but immediately that boy set up. And he said, mi pierna, mi pierna, which means my leg, my leg. And you know, a day later, I found out, after I got released from jail, because in Mexico, they have an inquisitory legal system, so you're guilty until proven innocent. If someone is injured in an automobile accident, you can be held criminally liable. But a day later, I got out of jail because, uh, well, a couple of reasons, but he, he was okay. He, he suffered a minor concussion and a cracked femur, and that was it. And I hit that boy going 55 miles an hour going down the highway. He came into my windshield. He flew up over a semi-truck, two other lanes, and he landed in the ditch. How many of you know that I saw a miracle that day? How many of you know I saw a miracle that day? A few years ago, I was in Las Vegas going through some training, some tactical training, and a man in his early 60s who was a few feet from me fell to the mat, day two of this class. The day before, I'd met this youth pastor. There was a dentist in our class and a military guy who'd had a lot of CPR training, and they start trying to administer CPR to him because he has no pulse and he's not breathing. And the ambulance took like 20 minutes to get there. I, I, I grabbed this other pastor. I said, listen, dude, we need to start praying for him. So we, they're there doing their thing, and, and we just come over and start praying for him. And all of a sudden, he lets out a gasp and starts to breathe, and his pulse comes back. So then we were like, okay, we better get out of the way. Well, the ambulance comes, and they whip out their things, and they're like, how long has he had no pulse? He's not breathing. He has no pulse. And they're working on him. And the guy working on him looks to the other guy and is kind of like shaking his head. And we're like, oh, we better go back and pray some more. So we go back. We're praying some more. The, the guy says, well, you better check his pulse one more time. He checks his pulse one more time. He said, my God, he has a light pulse. Let's get him to the hospital while we can. 
It was really neat because when you see those things happen, it also gives you the chance to glorify God because I went up to the class instructor and I said, in light of what we have seen, I'm a minister of the Lord and I just wonder if people, you'd like to take a break and if people would like to discuss spiritual matters or get prayed for. And so he did. And two hours later, we got a call from that guy and he was walking out of the hospital. Interesting, this passage of scripture, healing versus forgiveness of sins. Which is more important? Test question. Forgiveness of sins, right? Someone can be healed, and they're still going to have to die a physical death in the next 10, 20, 30 years. So what's more important, forgiveness of sins or healing? Everybody, amen. Forgiveness of sins. Your sins are forgiven. Take up your bed and walk. Romans 12, 3 teaches us something that about faith kind of being given out in measures. And I don't completely understand that other than God has given us all different gifts. Romans 12, 3 says, For by grace, the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. To think with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So all of us in this room kind of have different levels of faith today. That's just the truth. It's been given out in different measure. But don't be discouraged by that, and I'll tell you why. In Luke 17, 5, you know, the disciples realized the same thing. And so what was their prayer? They said to the Lord, increase our faith. You can pray that the Lord will increase your faith, and he will. You can pray and ask the Lord to increase your faith, and he will do it. That has been my prayer for a long time. And every time I just feel like, I get a little further in life. He just brings it up just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Increase our faith. And here's, here's my quote. If I have any quote that I want to be remembered for, it's this one. Exercising your faith is like exercising your muscles. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. It's just the truth. Why is it that some see the Lord move so much and others do not? Yet we're all believers. Well, not all, but I mean, if you're a believer, why is it some see it and some don't? I genuinely believe that you have to exercise your faith. And the more boldness you have, and the more you believe, and the less doubt you have as you move through life and exercise your faith, you will see the hand of the Lord move in incredible, incredible ways. I want to go back to the scripture I opened up with. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Did you notice that condition there, by the way? I will call that a condition. He's talking about faith, 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 and then all of a sudden he says, but if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I will prove to you later that your prayers are hindered by your sins. The Bible says that. If you have sin in your life, prayers are hindered in your life. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper to be with you forever. So why? Why suffering? Why sickness? Why sorrow? Why pain? Well, we have to understand that the beginning of suffering and sorrow goes back to Genesis chapter 3. And the Lord said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, and for you are, are dust, and to the dust you shall return. So that is the beginning of suffering and sorrow in the history of humanity. But Revelation 21.3 reminds us that this will all pass away. So Genesis talks about when it comes in, and Revelation reminds us of when it goes away. Thank the Lord. Revelation 21.3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. Why else do we see it, perhaps? 
Another one, I believe, is, to glor- is so that God may be glorified. John 11, if you want to mark this down. John 11, 1 through 4. <clears throat> to, under- to-, to get this scripture, by the way, I- I'm going to point something out to you. You have to understand something. We are a self-centered people. And oftentimes we think that God exists for us, and that is not true. I'm sorry to tell you that. But we exist for Him. Our existence is to glorify God. Our existence is that our life might glorify God. Well, how can God be glorified through pain and suffering? Well, a couple ways just to think. Here's one example. You know, when they told my mom that she was dying of cancer, the intern really, really messed up. Because the doctor had not even come in and told her that yet. The intern comes in, and my dad wasn't even at the hospital. And my dad had told the doctor, when you give... I want to be here when you share the results of your exams with my wife. Well, this stinking nurse assumed that the doctor had already come, and she's just coming in all matter-of-fact, talking to my mom about her terminal cancer. And my mom says, what do you mean? Go get my doctor. But you know what was amazing? There was also a terminal patient with her in that room, and they were so amazed by my mom's strength, and they were so amazed by the way she took that note, You know, that very day she led that person to the Lord. That very day she led that person to the Lord. And by the way, I had the privilege to lead a few people to the Lord who've been in my family for years at my mom's funeral. When we are healed, the Lord is glorified because people see the power of the Lord. And even in our death, the Lord can be glorified. And let's face it, my mom today is in the presence of the Lord. We miss her, but I doubt she misses us. She wouldn't come back if she could. She just wouldn't. You always have to remember the last chapter in the book before you go jump into conclusions. You don't realize how wonderful heaven is. If you you could just step through the door all of a sudden, then the pain and the suffering that you go through here temporarily versus what you're going to get to do for eternity sort of minimizes all this. And I'm very careful to say that because I don't want to minimize anything that you may be dealing with in your life in terms of sickness. I don't want to minimize that. It's terrible. It's awful. And in fact, when we're done today, if you're suffering with something, I want to give you the chance to come up and get prayed for, and perhaps the Lord will choose to touch you today. John 11 says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who had anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. The sister sent him, saying, Lord, he whom you love... By the way, do you know that the Lord loves you? When I talked to Todd on the phone the other day, I I reminded him, I said, Todd, I can't even imagine how difficult this is. All the things I've been through, I have not been through this. And I hope to never be through this. But I want to remind you of something. No matter how much you love Landon, the Lord loves him even more. Do you get that? In this case, though, Jesus heard this and he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son may be glorified through it. It also says in James chapter 1 that we are made perfect and more complete when we suffer. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness may have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I know for myself, had I not been through some of the suffering I've been through in my life or my loved ones, I would be much less of a person than I am today, and I still have a lot to grow. But had I not seen the Lord do miracles, I wouldn't be out letting Christ dwell in me, representing Him where I go, and getting to pray for others and seeing them healed. And so when I go through this suffering, when you, you should see my buddy Dwayne today. His, you guys, many of you know of Dwayne Johnson, have prayed for his boy Isaiah, or his... his grandson, four years old. He almost died several times over the last three months, and the Lord has healed him. And the Lord has brought him out of sickness and death. They couldn't do anything for him at Children's Mercy. They had to send him all the way to Boston. Dwayne and his daughter were there with him for months, and they were told bad news after bad news, but they kept seeing the Lord prevail. Which, by the way, one day while Dwayne was there, and he was walking back to the hotel, and he was realizing, gosh, I have all this faith. I wonder if I can pray for myself for just a minute. And his hearing has gotten a lot worse the older he's gotten. And he started praying that the Lord would bless his hearing. 
And he said, Brady, you know what? By the time I got back to the hotel, my hearing was noticeably better. So we truly are made more perfect and more complete when we suffer. We just are. And something else I remind you of. Genesis chapter 1 says you were made in the image of God, which means you are eternal. God isn't just perfecting you for the next 50, 60 years. The big goal here is, is what he's going to do with you for eternity. And again, you have to bear that in mind, or you will never fully be able to grasp why there's pain, why there's suffering, why we're required to grow, why we're required to go through this process of sanctification. How, how big is your faith regarding heaven? Do you really believe it exists? Do you really believe it is there? You know, one comfort I had in my mom's kind of what I consider untimely passing, from the time she got saved in her mid-30s, she was always talking about how wonderful it would be to be in heaven, how wonderful it would be to be with the Lord. She always talked about that theme. I believe faith is a gift from God, but I also believe there's some inheritance that we get out of that, and I believe I got the inheritance of faith from my mother. She was a very, very faithful woman. In Psalm 119, the psalmist says, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn from your statutes. In Romans 5.3, it says, Tribulation works out patience. In, Re- in Revelation 3.19, we're reminded that God, that those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline. So be zealous and repent. In Isaiah 59, we learn that sin causes God to hide his face from us. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And I'm going to stop here, about a third of the way through this message. James chapter 5 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil, which I brought mine today, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. I will say that again. In fact, I want everybody to say that with me. The prayer of faith, please give me more than that, will save the one who is sick. Amen. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, here's that condition again. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So, I'm going to ask everybody, bow your heads. The truth of the matter is we all sin every day. If you'd have been in my house yesterday, you'd have seen what a miserable sinner I was. Just ask, carried on. I just hope she doesn't tell you too much. Please bow your heads. And while they're getting ready, and while they're doing worship, while they're singing, I want to invite you to come up to the front today and receive prayer from Pastor Braid and myself. I want to invite you to have faith that heals. I want to invite you to believe that the Lord can touch you and heal you. And you know what? The centurion came on behalf of his servant. Do you remember that? The servant wasn't even with him. You can come up here and pray for someone else. You can come up here and pray for Landon. You can come up here and get hands laid on for you. And we can agree that the Lord would touch Landon and heal him today. The prayer of the righteous availeth much, the Bible says. But it says, first confess your sins. So with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, we're going to deal with our sin. Are you guys in agreement with that? If you agree that you want to deal with your sin today, raise your hand. I got one up, by the way. The preacher has one up. If you agree today that the Lord needs to deal with the sin in your life, I want you to raise your hand. In fact, you can raise two of them if you want. I'm raising two. Lord Jesus, for all those who are humble enough to raise their hands and say, Lord, deal with my sin today. In fact, I'm going to ask you, y'all, in your mind you can get real specific, but I just want to ask you to cry out to the Lord today. Lord, forgive me of my sins. One more time so he can hear. Well, he can hear, but so I can hear, I guess. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Lord, forgive us of our trespasses. Lord, forgive us of our idolatrous thinking. Lord, forgive us of our lustfulness. Lord, forgive us for our backbiting and our gossip. Lord, forgive us 
for unforgiveness in our heart. Forgive us for hating our brother or sister. Forgive us for envy and jealousy. Lord, forgive us that we've spoken curses on other people whom you love. Forgive us, Lord, for our pride. Forgive us, Lord, that we think we are so great and we think we don't need you. Forgive us, Lord, for our doubt. Forgive us, Lord, that we have fear instead of faith. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reach down in the audience today and touch the heart of everyone who is here today that is humble enough to raise their hands and cry out to you. Reach down, Lord, and touch them. Oh, that you would rend the heaven and come down, the Bible says. Oh, that you would open up the floodgates of heaven and let it rain down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I waited patiently upon the Lord, and He inclined to me, and He heard my cry, and He lifted my feet up out of the miry clay. Oh, Father God, now if there's anybody who wants to have a little more faith and a little more zeal and maybe remove the thatch off of that roof, get up out of your seat and come down to the front. Show the Lord a little bit of effort, if you would. Show the Lord that you want to seek Him. If you want to be prayed for today, get out of your seat, get off your keister, and come on down. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your faith. Amen. 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 First of all, first of all, I want to say a corporate prayer for Landon. Will you guys agree with me? Will you just reach your hands up here as we pray for Landon, please? Lord Jesus, we lift up that precious baby boy to you today. We know that there is no one who loves him more than you love him. We know, Lord, that you are merciful and compassionate and full of love. We pray, Lord, that you would touch him today. We pray, Lord, that you would heal him today. We pray, Lord, that his blood would be blessed, that any cancer that would be going through his blood system would be touched and healed today in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I want to ask everybody to say, heal Landon in the name of Jesus. Will you say that, please? Do you know that Jesus says when two or more come together, I am in their midst? I don't know what it is about the power of, of believers coming together, but it is powerful. Lord, heal Landon in the name of Jesus. We cry out to you, Lord, and we thank you for his life. If there is anyone else who is sick today that is not up front here, but that you have them guarded in your heart, I just want you to speak your, their name out right now, just between you and the Lord. But just... Reach your heart out and speak out their name. Lord Jesus, we ask you to heal the sick. We ask you to heal the unsaved, their sin condition. We ask you to move in their life. We pray for their souls. In fact, I'm going to have one more altar call. You all knew this was coming. But if you have never, ever publicly confessed that Jesus is your Lord, that he is your Savior, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. So I want to give you the chance to come down today and just say, Jesus, this is my public confession of faith. I'm going to stand and be counted among those who say that Jesus is Lord.